Welcome to The Sharp End. I'm Craig Brown, Senior Multi-Asset Investment Specialist for the Rathbone Multi-Asset Fund. Uh, thanks to Rahab for stepping into the breach last month whilst I was grabbing some, uh, some would say, well-earned R&R in Mallorca. I'm joined, uh, as usual, uh, by David, Head of Multi-Asset Investments. Uh, morning. And Will, uh, Fund Manager for the Rathbone Multi-Asset Funds. Morning. Morning, gents. So, on this month's episode, David, Will and I are going to be assessing David's mystic mega abilities and take a look back at the predictions he made at the end of 2020 for the year ahead. Just how well did David call the 10-year gilt moves? Or what would happen to inflation? And would London be flooded with Cornish people buying second homes? What we're not going to do today, though, is talk about the latest developments to do with Omicron. Unlike most of Twitter, we're happy not being armchair epidemiologists. We're still waiting for lots of data and we're not going to add a load of noise into that vacuum of information. Before we get on with the show, though, here are the usual do's and don'ts to keep us all on the straight and narrow. This podcast is intended for professional investors and must not be shared with a non-professional audience. Any views and opinions are those of the investment manager and coverage of any assets must be taken into context of the constitution of the fund and in no way reflect investment recommendations. Past performance should not be seen as an indication of future performance. So, for those of you who are yet to have the pleasure of reading them, every year David dusts off his crystal ball and has a rather tongue-in-cheek look at the year ahead. Uh, We thought as we head towards Christmas, we'd hold David to account and just see how well his predictive powers worked in 2021. Um, As ever, though, some of David's predictions should always be taken with a touch more than a pinch of salt, I think it's fair to say. To try and give some order to where David's brain has meandered during these predictions, uh, I've tried to group them together into similar-ish topics. Um, So the first set of predictions all touch on inflation or inflation-related topics. So the first prediction David made was that the UK 10-year gilt yield would end the year at 0.8%, 80 basis points. So as of today, we're at 0.77%. So I think, you know, that's reasonable. Now, Will's going to take you to task over the fact the year hasn't ended yet, I'm sure. Exactly. Um, I mean, three know, basis points, a bit harsh. I think you'll find it. Better fine. to be looking good, though. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm probably right on the point eight or close-ish, but the reasons I was probably wrong on. But we'll come back to that. I'm sure that, that, that's fair. And yeah, we'll, we'll round up to I'm, point I mean, eight. I, I, I think, can be know. humble. I mean, I'll take I'll take that as a win, <laughs> but uh, it, I can't take the entire glory. <laughs> so the second prediction was that the inflation easters all get very excited in the summer, and then they all deflate as the base effects wears off. Yeah, I might be a bit premature on that one. Just half right. I, I, I'll give myself half. We'll be the judge of that. Okay, I think so. Really it's fair to say. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really excited. And then finally, on this topic, oil companies outperform as Gen Z realizes how much plastic goes into their phones and how much we need oil for that. If this microphone wasn't so expensive, I'd drop it. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm spot on there. Come on, you've got to give it to me. Okay, so. Will, what are you? I'm going two out of three on there. I think I, I'm happy to give him the guilt yield. Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, whether you're right for the right for the wrong reasons or not, I'm not sure. But um, you know, the guilt yield has moved. You know, quite a lot actually. It's gone point two at the start of the year. You kind of forget where we were right at the start of the year. Sometimes I mean, so much has happened this That's year. That's how good actually. my prediction was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, roll the dice. <laughs> um, and you know, we went, we went point two to one point two at the peak, um, which is actually a pretty nasty loss if you were holding ten year gilt. Well, you're virtually on ten percent loss actually. Looking yeah. at that, um, and gilt's obviously giving you a negative return for this year. Assets credit, so 
I called it right. We've we've managed our duration relatively low through the year, which I think has been the right call, and sort of nibbled away as yields have risen. Um, on the inflation point, yeah, I mean, we sort of said well before this year started, we the inflation was coming. I think we all knew that. The problem is when it actually hit. Then you know all the inflationists, as we say, came out of the woodwork. Yeah, I mean, the reason that I'm not crowing too much on this one is because we knew the base. Everyone knew the base effects. I mean, you know, I wasn't exactly you know Mystic Meg to, to use Craig's lovely phrase um, on that because we knew inflation mathematically was going to be higher in the summer. So I was that was not wildly you know a, a wild stab in the dark. I think at the beginning of the year that when I made that prediction, I was thinking that. What would happen is we'd get that that push up on the base effect. You would get the commentators getting excited and the, and the press and everything else, and and inflation would obviously pick up, and 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 everyone would start talking about this transitory effect. And it, and I was in the transitory camp, right? And I thought that and I, at that stage, remembering I did these, I think back in December of last year. At that stage, I was thinking it'd be three months all over, um, because the oil price could only. Have that base effect once, right? Of course, as then we got into Q, probably the end of Q1, Q2, we started to think, well, actually, transitory could be longer than the three months. The market was still saying three months, but we felt it would be longer. And that's why I was kind of wrong because it was only as then the summer came through and the supply chain impacts that we suddenly thought, oh, hang on a second. And then in the UK, obviously, you've got the Brexit thing, which we won't go back into again. We, we covered that in previous podcasts. But so I was kind of, we were right, but then we were wrong, and then we, we corrected ourselves. I think <laughs> if that makes sense, because then we thought, oh, hang on a sec, we're wrong. We need this is longer than we originally thought, and we and I'm so glad that we did that because that has really helped us through the second half of the year. I think the supply chain issues thing, you know, you thought they would get worked out quite quickly, but it really seems that there is a serious clogging up into the global distribution and. People were talking about ports unclogging and things getting better. But I was reading that actually those figures are, are basically only coming down because they've reclassified what's in the queue or not. And well, apparently a number of ships outside are, are bigger than they've ever well, it's Well, it's badly affected Coombs Towers this Christmas <laughs> because, you know, the Christmas decorations that Tracy ordered from Neptune, we've now been told will be delivered on December the 31st because of supply chain issues. Now, Christmas decorations on December 31st, frankly, not helpful. Oh, so it's it's happening, at, I mean, joking aside, it's happening right the way through all parts of the economy. And I think I've even hardened my view, even since the summer, that that transitory is even longer now. I think it's it, it's all of next year, actually. I mean, the supply chain issues. And we don't really know what that's going to look like, I don't think. Yeah. And, Go, I know we're not going to talk about Omicron, um, but uh, son of Omicron, daughter of Omicron, whatever comes along next year, we still don't know. And the, and the vaccination rates in the developing world are still very low. So those supply chain issues could get worse, actually, before they get better. And I didn't think this time in six months ago, I didn't think they'd get any worse. I thought we just we were going to have this recalibration, which might take longer than we thought. Now I'm wondering, have we even started the recalibration yet? Or has or had we and it's stalled, and so um, anyway, I was trying, being asked to write outlooks next year. I'm kind of right, right, 2021 repeat. I mean, well, the first thing I should point out is you know 
the sustainable version of you would be getting your Christmas decorations out from the loft from the previous year um, and not going for new ones. But that aside, I do think you're right. I, I can see the supply chain issues seem to be a lot more complicated than than we perhaps understood. Um, and I think you're right. They do look like they're going to push through this year. And things like the chip issues, I think, are going to get worked through probably in the first half of next year. The commodity side, they've now rolled to a certain extent, depending on which ones you look at. I know that obviously oil is still up there. But I think for oil to push on and add to the inflationary problem next year, I think is difficult well, You say to that, though, but I mean, there are... I mean, okay, careful who you read and whatever, but, you know, and people call the oil price wrong all the time, right? Let's be, let's be honest. But there's a lot of people saying it's $150. And there are some people now saying because of the lack, because of all this chatter stranded assets for three years and the, and the lack of investment and shell pulling out of the North Sea, for example, that actually oil is going to, the supply side of oil is going to be restricted for the next two decades. And actually you've now got a multi-year supply issue in oil that will keep the price high for next year. Now, how that's turned around from a year ago, right? It's just unbelievable. So we can't rule out $100 a barrel. No, I don't I don't think you can. I mean, I can see it's structurally higher, but there's a couple of things to come into play. One is shale at some point, it has to kick in, right? If you're, if you're north of 100, I'll be surprised if you don't see a little bit more sort of shale production coming through. What, even with Biden in charge of the states? Yeah, I think so. Um, but the other thing is, is once you go north of 100, I mean, if you're talking $150, you're you're going to hurt demand very, very quickly. And the economy is going to roll off um, at that level because it's like we talked before, that acts as like the Fed funds rate, right? The oil price. Remember we were talking about that before in 2015, I think, when actually, and if the price for, given how dependent the global economy still is, if you're up 150 bucks, okay, short term, you get an inflationary push, but I think then demand elsewhere comes off and i think no that, i agree that pulls I, know, I, I do agree quickly. with you i do agree with you i think yeah that that cup and we t- i don't want to regurgitate it but that coupled with you know higher taxes etc cetera, etc cetera, yeah inflation will come down but it 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 doesn't feel it's going to be as early as we thought and i think it could be second half of next year now not the first half i think your point on biden though david is an interesting one because you know for years, you know, sort of five, six years ago, we were told about, you know, the, the break-even price for shale was structurally lower than it was for other sources of oil. And we just haven't seen that response from the oil rig count in the US, from US production. And it can't be because the price isn't high enough, because the price is higher than when they were ramping up that, um, you know, that US oil production before and making money. So is it more the the, the administration, the the way the wind is blowing, that it's it, people don't want to get into that. Or the wind space. not blowing. Or the wind way, not blowing. Even more critical. Um, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, cheap joke. But I, I mean, next year, I mean, I, I don't want to give away my predictions for my January blog. I mean, that, I don't want to front run them here. But um, I, and Yuli's nodding ahead because uh, I'll spoil her day. But um, you know, we have got the midterms next year. It's probably the, the one thing that's probably different next year and right now I can see the Republicans winning both houses right and and which is great news because it means you've got no overall control and that means politicians keep out of it really so I think that's a positive um but that might have an impact to your point on 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 shale and your point on shale as well so we shall see 
Well, Biden does have an approval rating that's absolutely plummeted, I think, since he took office. So it, it wouldn't be outside the realms of possibility that the midterms are going to get pretty ugly for the Democrats. By the way, so, on, on your sustainability, you know, I'll just, just, I'll just point out that <laughs> last week I found some turkey frozen from last Christmas. I put it in a curry. Very good. Very so, sustainable. I have to say, it was very sustainable, but it wasn't very, very moist. <laughs> <laughs> so doesn't, sustainability isn't always best. Move on. <laughs> right, for our second group of three. So in a year that's felt like it's almost had about five years contained within it, the growth versus value topic has been one that's been blisteringly hot, kind of almost as usual. So David's next exploration of his psychic abilities kind of take us in that direction. So prediction number one in this area was there will be endless growth versus value debates, even as value underperforms again. Tick in the box, I'm afraid. I think that's pretty much spot on. Thank you. Uh, number two, people start to realise the growth versus value debate is ridiculous. I think we're a way away from people on that road to Damascus, to be honest with you, realising so. that. Yeah. So can't give you that one, David, I'm afraid. I'm going to challenge that in a second, but go Okay, on. fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, we are the ultimate arbiters, David. <laughs> I, 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 I get that. Okay. Uh, number three, uh, the end of the app bubble. Investors finally realise they aren't tech companies and they're marketing enterprises. Well... I think, again, you might have hit the nail on the head. You know, things like ARK Innovation ETF, you know, underforming the MSCI world this year by some 40% so far year to date. So I think there's, there's some merit there, there's I think. Yeah, so yeah. I, I, I'm going to go two out of three there, I think, Will. So, you know, people still do love their growth versus value, so I can't give him that yeah, one. But, but shoot, what are you? fish in a barrel, that one, though. <laughs> <laughs> too easy, too easy. Yeah, I mean, I think the tech, I mean, let, okay, let's start with the one you think you think I've got wrong. There are some people starting to see the growth value thing as being a little bit too simplistic. I think there are, you are starting to hear a bit of that chatter, but it's clearly not mainstream. Certainly when we look at the screens every day, that is breaking down. It, I mean, certainly broke down last few weeks when, you know, first half of the year, you just, you had growth days and value days, right? And yeah, there were two growth days to every one value day pretty much. So growth, yes, has outperformed to the first prediction. Um, and I, I would pretty much call that next year as well. I'll make that call now. But, um, but it's what's been very clear is the market's becoming a little bit more selective, which kind of links onto the app point. Actually, there's some stocks. You, know, you think what's happened to the um, last sort of week or so? Um, help me out here, um, Peloton. I've, I've got a list. <laughs> Let's have your list then. Well, it's the, it's the year today of the Jobies, which is that aviation business trying to do flying taxis. That's down thirty percent. Uh, 37% year to date, 50% from February peak. Uh, Deliveroo sold off pretty aggressively. Nicola, which is one of my crowd favorites, I mentioned regularly, uh, down 85% since its peak last year. Um, WeWork, one of our old favorites, actually only down 14% since it since it spacked, yeah. if, that's, if that's the right word. Deliveroo's off the IPO, isn't it? Deliveroo is 40% below its IPO, but 38%. But the point being, people are starting to. I mean, these aren't bad companies. We're not saying they're bad companies, right? Let's be really clear for a second. What we're saying is the the the, the expectation and 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 hype was 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 great, and the businesses developed. 
I think that's the point. I think WeWork is still a, a thing. I think WeWork is probably still a good business model, but the valuations were just ludicrous. But I think that's the point is you've got, you've always got like three buckets in that tech sector, haven't you? The, the, the sort of high quality tech that's a, a very strong business on maybe elevated, but still some way sensible valuations that you're kind of happy to own. You've got the second bucket, which is, you know, decent businesses, good business model, good products or service, astronomical valuations, but companies that you could maybe see yourself owning if the valuation ever came back. And then you've got the third bucket, which are, you know, maybe it sounds a bit strong to say nonsense companies, but companies that, that their business model, their product or service is either untested, very flawed. You know, you can't make a strong case to own that business other than being part of the speculative bubble. They're hoping to get out before it crashes. And I, I think that's what we're seeing now is that segmentation starting to come to the fore. Yeah, I mean, you look at what the share prices of Cadence and Ansys, both companies we own, software, you know, I think near highs for the year, despite the last few weeks. Yeah. You know, didn't really fall very much on, on the Omicron shock a week or so ago. Adobe was down, Autodesk was down. You're seeing a stock dispersion has, even within the tech sector, has been huge. Maybe we'll come back to that later. But so unlike probably the last 18 months on a daily basis, you're not seeing all the tech stocks up together. You're not seeing all the value stocks up together, all the all the banks up together. You're starting to see a little bit more discrimination. I think is the word. I think that's right. And actually, I think the thing that slightly got lost is since Omicron came out, which is a couple of weeks ago now. I think. I don't think it is. I think it's, I think it's still days. <laughs> yeah. It feels like weeks. It feels ago. like weeks. Um, but then within at least that, four number ten parties since it came out. <laughs> <laughs> um, within that, you had Powell sort of talking up the pace of tapering um, in particular and potentially rate hikes next year. And and for me, that from looking at markets, that looks like that's been the trigger for that speculative tech, if you yes. like, which is what yes. these names are, yeah. to really create these sort of really nasty moves, actually. Some on, some on earnings, admittedly, um, but, but many of them really caned um, in a couple of weeks since then. Whereas, as you say, the ones we've tried to focus on have generally, and touch word, you know, held up relatively well, even though they are on those elevated valuations that, that we recognise. Yeah, well, and we, I think we discussed yeah. a, a few podcasts ago, and you know, we, we are, we're still nervous about those valuations, but not as nervous as one should be for some of those others. So we are, we have seen that discrimination. We are seeing more micro. We are seeing stock dispersion, and we know the stock dispersion is up because we we own stock dispersion notes. Um, which have done pretty well last few weeks. So that, that that's fact, right? That's not conjecture. Stock dispersion has grown. Stock volatility has been incredible because we're just writing our monthly notes for November yesterday. And we were saying about stocks we'd sold and taken profits. We have not written the December ones yet. We bought half the stocks we trimmed in November. We bought back last week. Mm. So it was only last week. Well, Michael, I can confirm. <laughs> so... The market is 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 definitely moved into a different phase. So to come back to what I was saying, I think we are away from growth and value. I'm making that shout. And I think if you look again at the stocks we've added, like Packard and Caterpillar, there's more industrial so-called cyclical stocks. They've also held up pretty well. And that they're not growth or value, really, I don't think. So you are it it, it is and they kind of got lost before in in, in the noise. So I, I I do think 
we're in a, in a new phase. That's very dangerous talk. Yeah, I, I have to. I'm less convinced. And and my big issue with this is when you think like the day-to-day players in the market, you know, the CTAs, all these ETFs, you know, max growth, leverage, value, whatever it might be. Um, I love them because they bring that liquidity. Well, they they do. That I, I completely They genuinely agree. do. I've heard people say it before. It's true. Yeah, it completely. But the best thing about this, it gives us the opportunity oh. to to trim something high and, and buy it back two weeks later at what sometimes 20 percent lower. Yeah, it's um, been amazing moves. So from from that point of view, I think it's good. I do think the discerning point is right, and we've been talking about that for quite a lot, and and it's quite good to see it come through. Having said that, you know, if Powell pushes on. And and you really start talking up rate hikes early next year. I think that will knock. I think that those growth names that have held up quite well in the recent events, I think they will they'll hurt, and it will be twenty eighteen. But I think that's why it's been so important for us to blend in that high quality cyclicality throughout you know the start of twenty twenty one, and actually even began that process towards the back end of twenty twenty. And I think that's also why earlier in the year, where you did have significant value versus growth outperformance in Q one sort of Q two, actually you know we didn't feel that too keenly in the funds because we'd already begun that that sort of journey to make sure we had the right balance. But equally, you know, never fishing in those real horrible deep value pools where actually you know you. You're struggling to make a case for the business. You're just trying to play mean reversion and thread okay. the eye of the needle. Okay, so let me challenge you back. Costco, yeah. right? One of our best performing stocks. This, I think we even bought it in start of the year or near, mm. something like that. Yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, God knows how much. This is Costco, right? This is this is not some super duper, you know, software stuff. This is Costco. It's, I, I don't know what the number is, but it, it's a big double digit number this year. Um, we just cut it. We just t- trimmed it again. Is that a value or growth stock? It's not. I don't like the pigeon holding yeah. that. I, 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 but what's your, defini- just, yeah. what's your definition though, right? Because yeah. some people will say, well, grow structural growth or sustainable growth in excess of GDP. Or, like Costco have got that, but then equally you look at the sector they're in, you look at their, like, and then you'd say, well, maybe they're a bit more value. A bit. Well, so, uh, it's, yeah. it's very difficult. To- I bet you'll find US growth funds with Costco in it. Because- you, you might be right. I bet it's more likely in a, in a defensive index and a, and a low volatility <laughs> index. So can we all agree it's nonsense? I think we all agree that. My, my issue is it's become such a factor within markets yeah, yeah, yeah. that I just think that conversation continues. Yeah, we can't ignore it because um, it will hurt us. Yeah. Because it doesn't matter if we don't care or don't agree with it. Because mm. you're right. If rates go higher than market expects next year, you know, Ansys and Cadence, I've just said, and you know, we're, we're so chuffed with, they will hurt. We, we you know, And that's why, we're, why the, we, we are allowing those positions to come back a little bit because we know they are risky for us in that environment. But- we want to hold them for five years. We're not going to sell them, yeah. but we we are letting them become smaller parts of the portfolio. Excellent. So how, has, has, so how am I last doing? four? Well, how, how am I doing so far? Uh, okay, so, so out, out of six, how am, I, how am I getting? You got four, so you're doing quite well. That's, yeah, um, I think that's harsh. I think you're going to be in for a bumpy landing, though, looking at these last four, yeah. to be honest. So 80% pass rate. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so the last four protect predictions are a bit of a mixed bag. So I'm going to rip the Band-Aid off uh, for David. We'll rattle through them and then get to the final scores on on, on the door. So your first prediction, David, was uh, UK smaller companies outperform all other European equity indices as the sky doesn't fall in after Brexit. Now, just have one question here. I need to clarify. Was that hedged performance, David, or just, you know, irrespective of current, local currency performance? 
<laughs> this is a for coin now, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, yeah, what was my other start? UK companies without performing Europe, um, it would have been, I wouldn't have thought about currency, I'll be honest. I wouldn't have thought. I would say okay. that. I will give you half a point then. Just I'm going to be kind. I'm going to be kind. Generous. Your Christmas spirit, well, Christmas spirit. You know, I will give you half a point because you actually you were right in sterling terms, but wrong in local currency terms. Oh, right. So we, I shall give you a half a point for that and be very generous. Harsh. You can, You're so harsh. You, you can count that as your Christmas present, quite frankly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so number two was uh, people in Cornwall start buying cheap second homes in London, as everyone now lives in the Cotswolds and, and dials it in. Not sure I can give you that one. Uh, I think, you know, there's been a few moves to the country, but I don't think we've got many Cornish flags knocking around Knightsbridge just yet. No, someone's been buying London property, though, because it's rallying back. Yes, it has. Is it the Cornish, though? Not so sure. I'm not saying it's Cornwall. (laughs) (laughs) That was one of my door tongue-in-cheek. It was, that was a tongue-in-cheek. I I think the the important point here is, you know, (laughs) again, guidance work from home. It'll be really interesting next few weeks to see what that looks like and also we were discussing it as a team this morning just in all seriousness for a second you know i i i, th- I think they'll office attendance will be higher than people thought a year ago I, I know in our world it's slightly different but i think generally speaking i think offices will be fuller than people thought yeah i think i mean i'd say it's all dependent on so many factors is, is the issue but what does seem to have happened is every time even when we've had a new variant it's had less and less impact on the economy we've had these lockdowns but they've actually I'm talking about on, on now promise we wouldn't <laughs> I've broken the promise um, but it does seem to have had less and less impact each time the, the lockdowns have been or become more social um, and so impacting sort of economies less, which I do think is a big positive, as as I guess what's really happening is we're, we're learning to live with it much I mean, better. I was down in Guildford a couple of weeks ago doing a, a seminar with clients, and you, you cannot beat face-to-face contact to get your points across, mm. particularly with newish clients. Flexible working, as we were saying, is actually more complicated, and I think people will find it complicated. I think it'll work for us because of the type of jobs we do, and we travel a bit to clients, and we'll do that. Um, but you know, I we will be doing more face-to-face meetings than people think. Yeah. So number three was uh, we reach peak social media and people go out and actually have a chat. Now we're actually going to talk about this in the January podcast a, a, a bit more, actually, to to give you a little bit of snippet of what's going to come in the new year. But I'm not sure I can give you that one, David, because I don't think you can call the peak of something when the metaverse is now becoming a thing where apparently people are going to begin to live in social media now. So I'm not sure we've okay. reached peak. Well, the there's, there was a serious point to this, actually, and we don't own any social media, and we will talk about it in January um, as we look in the year ahead. But you look at what social media has done this year in terms of careers that has de- that have been destroyed and the impact it's actually had in the real world. And I do think there's going to be pushback, mm. but more of that yeah, later. More of that in January, but it's definitely an interesting topic. And then your last one, which is probably your most tongue-in-cheek, um, was that Nicola Sturgeon will ban talking in groups of two or more, uh, even by phone, uh, which I, we're not quite there yet. <laughs> I think, think COP26 put pay to that because I think she was stood with everybody she could possibly find taking selfies, wasn't she? Oh, I think there's some truth uh, in uh, that. And, and before our Scottish investors start uh, sort of give, having a go at me, let me just be very clear <laughs> in my defence. I mean, I think my point here was, you know, using Sturgeon as a bit of an example, is that 
my fear was and still is that the author authoritarian governments of which the devolved parliaments have really kind of enjoyed it feels like to me but also as we saw only yesterday with number 10 is that it's you know this authoritarian governments across europe across the states across the world how quickly are we going to roll back from that and what is the impact on free markets you know I think that's a thing that's not really being discussed much in the macro. Maybe that could be a second topic for January. I don't know. Such good organizations. I know. I, but I, yeah. I do. Th it's something I've started to, it really kind of concerns me that it's, yeah, the, the genie's out of the bottle and, and governments are, like, are liking this control. And are they going to give it all up? Well, I, I completely agree with that. And the way they'd have to give it all up is, is serious pushback. But it's funny, you don't really see, I know you don't really see that. Um, you know, there's no, nobody really on the streets um, pushing back against some of these lockdowns. There's a little bit in Europe, a little bit, um, but I don't, I, I don't think it's particularly. I mean, there was major. almost a revolution in Luxembourg Christmas markets this week. I don't know if you saw that. I did not. That's no. where it starts. <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, as David said, maybe we'll discuss that more in in, in January. Um, so overall, David, a bit of a mixed bag in terms of results. Um, can I give you half a point out of four there, I'm afraid? So, wow. you know, you, you've left on four and a half out of ten, I think. Will, any any advance on four and a half out of ten? No, I don't think so. Started strong, but really just yeah. faded away. Still yeah. my life. Yeah, I was going to say, it's not, I don't always say start how you finish, David, you know. <laughs> Right, so that's the end of David's 2021 predictions. And now in the interests of solidarity, we're all going to have a go at doing one prediction uh, for 2022 in the year ahead. So for me, I'm going to go for Boris Johnson will no longer be Prime Minister by Christmas 2022. So you stole my thunder there because my prediction was that Jeremy Hunt would be Prime Minister by Christmas 2022. <laughs> and my second prediction now, because you made me, you've stolen my first, that's just how I'm planned. So we, we, we made everyone think we planned this and now that's completely gone out the window. Um, so my reserve, my plan B, that's yeah. really oh, trendy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My plan B, see what I did there, is, I've always mentioned it, that um, the Republicans will be in charge of both Congress and Senate after the midterms. It'd be interesting to see who's in the White House at that point. Um, but we shall see. Um, mine is sort of semi-controversially and possibly built on hope, but that this new variant is less aggressive, even if it is more transmissible. And actually, it means that most people end up getting it, but it's not a major thing. And then we've all got natural immunity and so, we can get back to some kind of normal. So you heard it here on the December podcast, The Sharp End. Will McIntosh White rings the bell. He's right, he's right. Calling the end. Calling, <laughs> calling the, the end. Calling the the end. Bold prediction, uh, Mr. McIntosh White. So hopefully, for all of our sake, you're, you're, you're bang on. Um, for those of you who did enjoy David's stab at predicting the future and want to hear more about his predictions, um, his next attempt will be out in a blog in the coming weeks. So to do look out for that on, on the website. Now it's time for the RMAPS mixtape for the month. Um, I think everyone's probably got the hang of what this is now, so we don't need to talk about what it is and what it isn't. Um, I've actually drawn the short straw uh, this time in a difficult episode to find some kind of musical alignment to uh, what we've discussed today. So here we go. So my first one, based on predictions and the ones that David perhaps got right, uh, I've got Hate to Say I Told You So uh, from The Hives. Very good. Um, all this chat on inflation, I've got break even by the script. Okay. 
That was one of my plan B's last week. <laughs> um, we're obviously very much in sync, David. Um, and then the third one I've got, you know, related to oil price, I've got Price of Gas uh, by Block Party. Interesting. That on your playlist, is it? No, not at all. I just Googled <laughs> oil-related songs, quite frankly. Um, poor, then, poor. <laughs> uh, Fourth song is I Got You Babe by Sonny and Cher. Now, this one I've gone for because it was very famously the song played on the radio for Bill Murray on Groundhog Day. Every morning he woke up and obviously these constant discussions on value versus growth and then growth outperforms to me feels very much like Groundhog Day. If you have to explain something that much, it means it's wrong. Or is it just really <laughs> clever? Is it just really clever? I'll, I'll give you that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wasn't sure where you were going, but I quite like it then. Um, half, half a point. <laughs> half a point, yeah. Harsh critic. Uh, then I've got You Spin Me Round, uh, Dead, dead, uh, dead or Alive. That. I love that record. Um, you know, round value, growth, value, growth. And then uh, in line with our, our sort of questions about some of the, well, questionable business models of the app business, I've got Perfect Illusion by uh, Lady Gaga. Nice. Yeah. So... I've now got Country House by Blur. Everyone moving to their country piles in the Cotswolds to work from home, or potentially. Um, touching on your prediction around uh, Nicholas Sturgeon banning any kind of talking, I've gone for The Sound of Silence, Simon uh, and Garfunkel. Yes, excellent. Um, and the, the last one, you're going to have to give me a little bit more rope than you even gave me, quite frankly, for the Sunny and Cher one. It's Last Christmas by Wham. Now, I've shoehorned this in there, because one, because it's a Christmas song, and two, because, well, before yesterday anyway, we all thought we were going to be going to Christmas party, um, you know, even those of us that aren't um, in government. And, you know, there is a line in here which says, I keep my distance, but you still catch my eye. Tell me, baby, do you recognize me? Well, it's been a year. It doesn't surprise me. And clearly it's been a long time since we've all seen each other in person as a big team. And, you know, that's where I was going with that lyric. So it's a stretch. I'd give myself a point for it. I don't know about you guys. <laughs> it's a stretch and it's a song I absolutely loathe. Yeah, well, don't turn the radio on. <laughs> is, it, well, is, it, is it Christmas? <laughs> so there we go. That is my mixtape uh, for the month. Uh, look out for that on Spotify. It will be on there uh, in the coming days. Well, thank you for that, Craig. But just before you do your final spiel, I just wanted to take this opportunity as our last podcast of the year is to thank Nathan and Frontier Productions for all their help mm. in making us sound at least semi-literate and making this hopefully uh, a successful podcast that people enjoy listening to. Um, also to Yuli, our in-house producer who's kept us on the straight and narrow and promoted it and got it off the ground and budget and everything else. She's done a fantastic job. So thank you, Yuli. Yeah, um, that's, that's all my niceness for Christmas done. Dusted. So thank you all for joining us uh, and we hope you'll join us again for the next monthly instalment of The Sharp End in the new year. If you didn't listen at the time, please feel free to go back and listen to earlier episodes. Last month, uh, Will, David and Rahab discussed supply chains and inflation, how much move towards reduced meat consumption might impact farmers and food producers, and a little about nutrition businesses, DSM and Christian Hansen and how they're helping to cut waste and help solve health challenges. You can subscribe to the podcast on all the major podcasting platforms and some other small ones as well. Please don't forget to hit the subscribe or the follow button and please feel free to rate and review us as well. Um, if you'd like to hear more about the Rathbone multi-asset funds, please speak to your usual Rathbone sales contact or visit the website www.rathbonefunds.com. Uh, that leaves me to finish off by saying thank you to all of our listeners this year. Your support's been greatly appreciated. We hope you've, we've given you all some food for thought and also perhaps entertained you a little bit along the way. From the whole multi-asset team, we wish you and your families an enjoyable festive season and a happy new year. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas.